Welcome to episode 51 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're going back to 1959 to talk about Anatomy of a Murder, which received seven nominations at the 32nd Academy Awards. No wins. Mm. Hmm. I think we have something to say about that. Um, This is not my first time with the movie and neither for you. So when was the first time you got to see Anatomy of Murder, this just classic 50s movie that everybody should check out. I saw this movie entirely by chance. Uh, I used to do this thing with my Netflix mailing list where I would close my eyes, scroll through it, and then whatever my cursor landed on, I would bump it to the top of the queue and watch that. And Anatomy okay. of Murder is one of those films because I just, I love Jimmy Stewart and I heard about this one and I like courtroom drama. So I figured, let's check this out. And it was phenomenal i was drawn into it you know it doesn't it's one of those films that doesn't feel like it's almost three hours long and yeah that's because everyone in this is electric and the plot is so unlike anything you got from the 50s it's a very unique film because it goes there it you know it tackles very taboo subjects has a lot of language you did not hear in 50s movies and yeah here we are again with uh, my second time checking this out and it's just as fantastic uh, it's a great movie yeah, definitely. This second viewing is, was better for me personally. Uh, just kind of, you know, when you have a relationship with uh, the performances of Jimmy Stewart and George C. Scott, and then you rewatch something and you kind of have a whole new, you know, perspective on these individuals, it changes everything, you know? Uh, when you're a fan of some, somebody and you kind of now go back to something with a whole whole new whole new kind of look on it and of course with this with this show we're, we're giving out awards to this to this movie it's gonna be very difficult to narrow down you know you have duke ellington composing <laughs> i mean very hard to choose something from from the score here super hard to choose a performance hard to pick a deacons hard to pick a tarantino i mean this movie is awesome and i remember watching it uh shortly after getting the job at draft house and it was kind of like a movie, I should probably see this, you know, sort of thing. Little did I know that no one else really cared uh, except for you. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, but, I, but I watched, you know, a really cool movie. And I would have probably given it an eight at the time. And now I would totally give it a nine. Uh, it's close to like a masterpiece in my opinion. And I'm really glad I own it. <laughs> I'm glad you own it too. <laughs> I was able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, able to able to kind of let let you borrow that. We always do movie swaps, so you gave me a movie that we're going to be doing later on. Um, of course, this is kind of a a new little new little era here for Oscar Sunday. We're going to be tackling specific decades for five episodes at a time. Yeah. So right now, you know, we're starting with the '50s, starting with a bang here. Um, when you think of you know this era of film you don't think of something as gritty as anatomy of a murder. <laughs> no, you think of, you know, a decade of kind of empty American promises of, you know, white people getting, you know, saving the day almost. And the, the Hayes code being very much in effect and holding back a lot of American films creativity. So to have a film like this stand out is a delight. And I think all the films we have chosen for our fifties run here all stand out in a similar way. And yeah, I like that. I like going into films that aren't just, you know, cookie cutters. I like stuff that 
stands out. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other 50s films that we've done on this show prior, uh, we did On the Waterfront. Uh, we did 12 Angry Men. <laughs> we did Rush Him On. Um, and we did La Strada. And that is it. So, we've, yeah, we're very selective. <laughs> we want to do stuff that, yeah, it is special, is kind of seen as stuff that lasts. Yeah. Because a lot uh, of the films made in this decade stayed there. A lot of films were just made on the conveyor belt. You know, you had Mickey Rooney dressed up as five or six different characters filmed on the same back lot. And then you just threw them into a movie house. There was very little, I'll say, I think there was very little art made in this t- decade. It's mostly just, you know, American propaganda and musicals. So I'm glad we have some films that have stood the test of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's, you know, a select few from the Academy's, you know, kind of resume in the 50s that really stand out. You really have to kind of go to, you know, Kurosawa, you know, go yeah. kind of outside of what's happening here to find that really interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, the 40s and 50s are because of that fucking Hays Code, right? You know, you, yeah. you're dodging all kinds of stuff. So foreign films are just going to be a, probably a bit more, you know, gritty entertaining and uh honest <laughs> you know so anatomy and murder is special in that regard uh that it stands out in that way and i think 12 anger men is similar in that way where it's like whoa this movie's really getting after it you know really really trying to do something uh and yeah i feel kind of like uh kind of lucky to to be here and be able to talk about these movies and like you said the run we have is very special uh, the next five episodes are going to be a lot of fun. Of course, that that 55 is going to be a best picture showdown. So it's going to come in the 50s, but we don't know. <laughs> uh, I can't wait, man. But I, I do I do think we have to talk about the individuals that make Anatomy of a Murder what it is and talk about some people who are Oscar nominated. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's start with um, director here, Mr. Otto Priminger. Um I believe this is the guy who has, uh, has a, our, our full attention now. <laughs> uh, he's, he's definitely, you know, shown up to the, to the Academy before. Um, of course, for this movie, he's, he helped produce this film. Uh, and this was nominated for Best Picture. So that's, that's a nomination. But he also has two Best Director nominations for Laura, 1944, and The Cardinal in 1963. So his, you know, his run spans over almost 20 years and I'm sure he'll come up again. Otto Preminger is one of those filmmakers in the fifties who refused to compromise. He wanted to do his vision. Um, The first time I actually heard of this guy was in the film Trumbo from 2015 that told the story and Kirk Douglas and Otto Preminger are characters in that film and you get to see their reaction to the hollywood blacklist and how they they didn't care for it and uh they were willing to bring you know dalton trumbo back to the to filmmaking because they didn't give a fuck because they were like we're doing our movies our way and preminger was very much that kind of guy so it's no surprise that he would create something like this in 1959 because he didn't give a fuck yeah, beautiful. I love that you brought that up. That that movie from 2015 kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, at that time, you know, I was 20, so I, I just it just kind of schooled me a little bit, you know. And I I kind of love when movies do that. 
And now, on, right now on the uh, Criterion channel, there's a really cool Trumbo collection uh, up right now. So I highly suggest people check that shit out. It's really cool. Lots of great movies. Uh, yeah, man, he's, he's going to have our attention. He's going to come back around. But this next guy we're going to talk about is someone that I know that you've fallen in love with. Uh, I guess over the past year or so, it's kind of amplified <laughs> through the show and how we've been able to kind of see some of his films and highlight his performances. And that's uh, that's James Stewart, Jamie Stewart, the legend uh, only has one Oscar win, but, but he's got multiple nominations. And I know you want to talk about some of these. Uh, we have Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's a wonderful life. And he's uh, up for Harvey and also anatomy murder. And his win is for the Philadelphia story. So I, I want to let you speak about Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I know you just saw that. I did. Yeah. I wanted to go further into Jimmy Stewart because he's just a, an amazing actor and a fantastic humanitarian. Uh, his, his performances were so good. He played such vibrant characters and Mr. Smith goes to Washington is one of his earlier uh, leading roles. Uh, not his first time with Frank Capra. Uh, I believe that was, you can't take it with you, mm. but Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He plays a young ideal idealist who's elected to Congress because a previous senator died and they needed some no name to fill the gap while they did corrupted, you know, corruption shit. And he's like, I will not stand for it. And they're like, well, we're going to make up a scandal and throw you out. And he fights back. And this was in 1939. I mean, we hadn't even, we hadn't even gotten involved in World War II yet. Like politics weren't, ne- weren't nearly as corrupt as they were going to become in just, you know, 10 years. So to go there again, you know, this was another film that was labeled as communist, as anti-American because it dared show that our government isn't perfect. And he plays young and, and, you know, starry eyed so well. And then you go 20 years later and look at anatomy of a murder and you can kind of see the same guy, you know, idealistic, but a little bit more, you know, tuned in to the way the world really works. And I love looking at those two roles specifically. Like they make, they really complement one another. And throughout his career, he just continued to surprise people. Uh, you know, all of his work with Hitchcock, Rear Window, Vertigo. Like the guy was, a, was incredible. I love him in the Philadelphia story. I know a lot of people thought that Oscar should have gone to Henry Fonda, including Jimmy Stewart. But I think that he earned it. And yeah, I, I, I'll never get tired of Jimmy Stewart. He's one of my, he's become one of my favorite actors, bar none. So yeah, keep, keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely a guy that is going to be here, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think you go into the thirties, you talked about uh, before you can't take it with you. Is, yeah. Just a year before 1938. And he certainly pops up in multiple decades. He gets an honorary award in 1985. Uh, are there movies that you want to see that are not here that don't show up on this this nominated list? Or are there some Jimmy Stewart performances that you're just kind of itching to get to? Um, there is always a few. Um, I would love to see the uh, remake of The Man Who Knew Too Much, which he mm. he appeared in. Hitchcock remade his own movie, and it's Jimmy Stewart this time. Uh, Rope, another one from Hitchcock. Uh, the Shop Around the Corner, I've always heard is really good. Uh, yeah. I, I do want to point out that uh, I found out uh, about 10 years ago that Jimmy Stewart has kind of been in the background of my life since the beginning, because one of my favorite films as a child 
was an American tale, Five Goes West. Jimmy Stewart's final performance, he voiced the character of Wiley in 1991. So I've been hearing his voice since I was a kid. And I think that's why <laughs> I love this guy so much. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's something that pops up uh, on his IMDb and just, wait, what? What is that? That's part of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, what? That's Jimmy Stewart. My God. <laughs> oh, man, what a guy. Yeah, got an awesome run. I would love to do, you know, his win, you know, straight up do Philadelphia story. We got to talk about that a long time ago on the show. Uh, he's, he's a total legend and is to- knocking out of the park every scene in Anatomy of Murder. Just totally honed in, understands exactly what the screenplay is trying to do and just kills it. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Lee Remick, who is not nominated here for Anatomy of a Murder, but she, she does have a nomination, 1962, Days of Wine and Roses. Uh, this is a random movie I kind of looked into. Oh, Jack Lemmon's also in it. And so I definitely have this one on my list now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she, you know, does a does a really good job here in this movie, just like everybody else is. Laura Mannion, she's uh, quite, quite a big character in some moments. And then it's really the idea of her, right, is that even if she's not on the screen, she's there. The, the story revolves around something that happened to her. Uh, and then a retaliation. So I think she does a really good job of just being present without even being present. And that's a powerful thing to do in a movie. And that also just kind of gives credit to the director and everyone else involved. And I, I really liked her performance in this movie. Yeah. I think she's great uh, considering she was the second choice. They tried to get Lana Turner for uh-huh. how long and eventually they, you know, they gave up and pursued Lee Remick. And I think she's fantastic, especially since this is a very challenging role for a woman in mm-hmm. the fifties to play a, a rape victim, to play a sexualized character. Uh, I think she knocked it out of the park. I think she gave this character dignity while at the same time showcasing the kind of person she had to be for this performance. And Correct. that's not easy. So good for her. Yeah, she's great. And of course, you know, you and I are big fans of uh, 1976, the omen. So Got to bring that one up. <laughs> really cool movie. One of the best, one of the best seventies horror movies in, that I've seen anyway. Uh, yeah, she's great. I got to give her a shout out. She has a nomination outside of this movie. So again, starring alongside Jack Lemmon. So I got to see that one. Um, got, got three more performers. I want to talk about uh, next one is Arthur O'Connell. Yeah, this is, this is another guy who is familiar with the Oscars. And, uh, I mean, to me is quite possibly a PSH nominee here. He is so good, <laughs> so good in this movie and kind of has a, a storyline that's under, underneath the whole time, you know, with the drinking and whatnot. And it's just really cool, really cool. His, his little journey that happens throughout and some of his lines are the best. He's a, uh, I agree that he, yeah, his stories, you know, like it's, it's not your primary focus, but you are kind of paying attention as he, you know, kicks his alcoholism and pursues uh, Miss Pallant to the ends of the earth, meaning Canada. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, he's, I like that, I kind of want to know more about who he is, because, you know, you get the vibe that he's, he used to be somebody very important in this town, and he lost it all through alcoholism and maybe, you know, some bad cases that went wrong, but uh, 
Jimmy Stewart still believes in him, still keeps him around because he knows that there's still a lawyer in there, still somebody who can pursue right and wrong right there, and he's going to help him find his way back. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love him in this. I think he, he totally deserves the nomination, you know, that he got at the 32nd Academy Awards. He was also nominated uh, four years earlier for Picnic, also a Best Actor in a Supporting Role. So this is probably a guy I just need to dig into because, you know, we love those character actors, those guys who just kind of hold on to the supporting roles and give it their all uh, with the screen time they get. Uh, he, he's great. He has some of his lines towards the end of the movie just kept me, kept me just kind of hooked, you know, <laughs> you know, the screen, the screenplay does that a few times where you just, you just, you just can't stop watching no matter how long it is. You know, a lot of my favorite movies are long. And it, they have that quality where it's just continually what the people are saying keeps you the fuck is going to happen next, you know, and uh, this, this, this guy, Arthur O'Connell is a big, big part of that. Uh, Eve Arden next up here. Now, this is a really cool performance as uh, Miss Rutledge. She, she, she pops in and out, you know, and it's kind of like a firecracker and really her and James Stewart just have an awesome kind of tandem. Uh, Really enjoyed her on the screen in this movie. Uh, she's nominated, not for this one, but she was nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Mildred Pierce in 1945. So, yeah, got to, got to shout her out, man. And I think she's great in this movie. Yeah, it's always nice to have a character who can break some balls. And yes. she's, she's very much, you know, keep them, you know, don't, she keeps their ego in check the whole movie. Like, hey, reminder, you're a small town lawyer who can't afford to pay their secretary. So shut up. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly her, her character's great <laughs> yeah she, yeah she was wonderful i thought i thought the trio of you know stewart o'connell and arden them three together was just an acting clinic it was brilliant uh but shit you know my favorite guy of the bunch is <laughs> mr george c scott oh man. Oof. This guy's become kind of a legend on this show, just like James Stewart. Uh, and we'll add this one to, to some of our favorites. Uh, of course, he's nominated in this one, nominated for The Hustler. He won for Patton, awesome movie. And then he was also nominated for The Hospital. So yeah, the, the guy's got a really cool resume for this. And then he's also done just so much cool shit aside from these four movies. I mean, you, you and I got to do a fun episode on Filmgasm over Exorcist 3. Yeah. And he's fucking lights out in that movie, you know, in this thing, he doesn't need to care about at all. Him and Brad Dourif decided let's, let's fucking do this, you know? <laughs> and it's so exciting because he does that every time. I don't think George C. Scott was able to phone in a performance. I think he brought everything to every role he'd ever played. It was just who he was. He believed in the craft so much. He refused to compromise it. I mean, you know, refusing the Oscar for Patton because he didn't believe acting was a competition. I mean, that's some balls. I, I love this guy. I mean, as you know, I know he's, he's difficult to work with and kind of seems like a sour motherfucker, but he's one of my favorite performers. And I know whenever he's involved that he's going to be giving a great performance and it's going to complement the film. And I've yet yeah. to be disappointed from him, really. I mean, the only, the changeling I thought was okay, but he was lights out. So, yeah, no, uh, and yeah, Exorcist 3 is still probably my favorite performance of his just because of he didn't have to care. He did. Like, he, I don't know. I, I, this guy's so complex. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, there's we're never gonna you give us a million podcasts, we're never gonna figure out George C. Scott. <laughs> no, no, we we did uh an episode on this show on Dr. Strangelove, and I mean there's another one where he just crushes that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he he's the man. He's on the same level for me as you know, like Burt Lancaster, where this show has just put put them into a different stratosphere in my mind. Yeah. Of uh of just kind of like my favorite performers that are Oscar nominated people. Uh, yeah, he refused the award for Patton and refused. To, he's like, I refuse to even be nominated for the Hustler. He just did, didn't really care. So, <laughs> but we we certainly care about him here uh, and want to remember his work. You know, yeah. uh, he died in 1999 and just left a hell of a career behind. I find it interesting that Anatomy of a Murder is George C. Scott's first Oscar nomination and Jimmy Stewart's last Oscar nomination. Makes mm. it feel like a kind of passing of the torch movie in a weird way. Yeah. You yeah. be a superstar now. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love kind of little sentimental things like that. It's really cool because those two guys, obviously, we really care about. So it's, it, it definitely has, has value. Uh, a guy, George C. Scott, who is literally going against him too in the movie. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And he's such uh, a I love it. slimy bastard too. Like George C. Scott's this, you know, big shot lawyer from the city who comes here to make sure justice is served, but it's so undercut just the way he, you know, jabs at Jimmy Stewart the whole time. It's, it's great. It's watching these two guys just kind of, you know, fist fight under the table almost. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so so good. Uh, well, those are those are the performers. You know, I I really want to always highlight the people that have nominations here or outside of uh, outside of this movie, whether it be James Stewart or Eve Arden or George C. Scott. Uh, and I also want to bring up three other people that are kind of on the crew. Um, first, we'll start with Sam Levitt, cinematographer. I mean you talked about right at the, the get-go of this episode that this movie has kind of just lasted looks good and it and it checks out completely some of the shots in this movie are fucking incredible for a courtroom drama yeah really paying attention to what's what's best to look at what's most intriguing to look at right now and uh some of the stuff with you know when James Stewart is just really going in on people on the stand, there's there's some shots in, in that in that that are I, I see people copying today you know or, or in a few good men I saw that copied. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I very much appreciated what 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 Sam Levitt offered here. Uh, he won best cinematography for The Defiant Ones, 1958. Uh, he was nominated for Anatomy of a Murder and nominated for Exodus 1960. So three years in a row, he, he shows up to the Oscars and that's it. Uh, I haven't seen those movies, but I'm definitely going to watch them at some point. Yeah, I think they'll come up in my time. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they will. <laughs> Sam Levitt definitely has a skill about him. Uh, the way he frames the courtroom shots, it's, you know, whoever is speaking is in the foreground they appear larger, they appear in charge, and whoever's, you know, objecting is in the background, very small. It's, it really paints a picture of who's in charge at any given moment, and that's important for a courtroom drama, 
and he mm-hmm. really he brings that. Yeah, he he also uh, provided the cinematography for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, oh. a film a film I know uh, we both enjoyed. We did. Let's see, we did that when we did In the Heat of the Night. Uh, had some had some fun there. Some really cool movies, and of course, it's always fun to kind of add things together that are outside of the Oscar resume. <laughs> now, now, uh, Duke Ellington. <laughs> Holy shit. That that's something that I just kind of didn't didn't take seriously enough when I watched this the first time. You know, I wasn't paying attention enough. And then when I'm, you know, I'm gonna pick an Inyo and I'm like, oh yeah, Duke Ellington does the score. The fuck am I gonna do here? You know? Duke Ellington and John Coltrane, 1963, is like one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. And then the guy, the guys, when a guy does that and also does movies you've won me over, you know, <laughs> and you, you do movies that I like, you know, there's, there's people who have done that, you know, like, of course, Trent Reznor, you know, Johnny Greenwood with, uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson. That's, that's the key to my heart. It's <laughs> make, making kick-ass albums and being able to kind of write really cool scores and just uh, contribute in that way. Do, do you, do you have a kind of history with him at all listening or is this a guy you're a fan of? I mean, he's just, he's a Titan. I love the score for this film, but really I've, uh, I haven't really pursued jazz all that much. I don't have anything against it. It's just never been something I've hunted down. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, he kind of transcends, right. He's one of the guys that's, he's so good that it doesn't matter if you don't (laughs) listen to jazz, you'll, you'll find a way to enjoy it. He's that good Uh, in a sentimental mood. It's just an unbelievable track. Definitely check that one out uh, next time you're doing some writing or something. Uh, <laughs> he, he was he was nominated for Paris Blues 1961, best scoring of a musical picture. Uh, but it, there's no I, it doesn't matter if he wasn't nominated for anything. We have to bring him up. He's <laughs> he's huge and he's pops up in movies all the time. You know, there's characters that you know reference him, shout him out. You know, because yeah, he's he's. Super iconic and got to bring him up on this show. Oh, last guy here from the crew. Production design. Boris Levin. I, I mean, you know, courtroom dramas, this is something you're just kind of speaking about. It kind of goes hand in hand with just the, how fucking good it looks. <laughs> uh, how you kind of believe you're actually inside of something in 1959. It's pr- pretty, pretty breathtaking. And this is uh, something I, I feel that I want to challenge myself more on is production design. You know, these, these categories that I don't know a lot about, you know, as we move along with the show, this is a category I kind of want to kind of want to pay attention to more and see exactly what the kind of uh, patterns are with the Academy for choosing these awards. Uh, Boris Levin, I think, uh, you know, we should bring him up because, there is, there is, you know, there's an Oscar win somewhere. So we'll talk about that, but it's a, it's a long resume. So bear with me here. We got nominated for Alexander's Ragtime Band, 1938. Uh, nominated for the Shanghai Gesture, 1941. Nominated for Giant, 1956. Winner, West Side Story, 1961. Nominated for The Sound of Music, 1965. <laughs> nominated for The Sand Pebbles, 1966. Nominated for Star, 1968. Nominated for 
the Andromeda Strain, 1971, and nominated for The Color of Fucking Money, 1986. What a crazy, crazy run. This is, this is a 50-year Oscar resume, and uh, I felt like it was right to finish with him. I completely forgot they made a movie out of The Andromeda Strain. I tried to read that book a couple of years ago. Couldn't get into it. Didn't think. <laughs> yeah. It's a movie about a, it's a book about a pandemic that, you know, a virus that gets out of control. And yeah, I don't think I'll be reading that one anytime soon, but uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. He clearly was a favorite of the Academy. Uh, all of those films are pretty, you know, pretty significant. Uh, one for West Side Story, of course, that movie dominated the Oscars. It's a musical production design is, you know, always big in musicals. Uh, yeah, it is. It is cool to kind of, you know, throw a little focus on production design. That's tough. That's tough work. You know, film doesn't look right. It's not going to feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you have all of these different kinds of films, there's musicals, and something like The Color of Money. I, it's just kind of kind of wild to look at. You know, he's Shit. not nominated here for Anatomy of a Murder, but he's nominated fucking, you know, loads of times. So I, I, I really liked everything about Anatomy of a Murder, and I'd be totally okay with it getting nominations out the wazoo but you know you, you spoke about west side story dominating that show well the 32nd academy awards mm-hmm. ben her does quite qu- quite a lot of damage here uh 12 nominations and 11 wins and christ almighty I, i've seen that movie once it's not something I want to revisit, like Anatomy of a Murder. You know, it's just not yeah. something I want to go back to and rewatch. <laughs> Is it too long? Uh, it's not necessarily the, the runtime because you know we're at a two forty here. Uh, it, it's it's the pace, it's the it's that tone, it's that that kind of the screenplay that Anatomy of a Murder has is just just kind of jumping, and yeah. I feel like Ben Hur kind of lacks that uh, that aging quality. Plus, I've already seen, you know, a three plus hour movie of Charlton Heston playing a biblical figure. Like I've I've seen that. So I don't know if I'm, you know, give it a few years before we tackle Ben. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> that one won't come up in this run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it'll, it'll be it'll be here as we talk about the 32nd Academy Awards, which uh, we're going to go through all seven of Anatomy of a Murder and just kind of talk about it and talk about the year itself. and what we think about it uh where would you like to begin start with best film editing all right let's do it so we have anatomy of a murder north by northwest the nun story on the beach and the winner ben-hur uh i've seen two of these so that's good i've seen north by Northwest. i've seen three yeah i feel really good about this (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm gonna have to see ben-hur at some point it's one of those american classics that you really can't escape Uh, yeah yeah but at the moment, I would I probably lean towards North by Northwest, honestly. Yeah. Oh, same. Out of the three I've seen, no, no question. Uh, that is, God, such an awesome, awesome movie. It's one that you 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 are tempted to do on the show, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 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 a classic. It's one that I I'm proudly have on the shelf, and I know we we can't wait to talk about it one day. When, you know, Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant were friends ever since the Philadelphia story. And Cary Grant's the one who gave him his Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars. And it's such a moving speech from both of them. 
beautiful. And yeah, so I always, you know, associate those two guys together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the 50s Hitchcock stuff is just out of this world. Yeah. Everyone thinks, you know, Psycho is the one that put him on the map. And no, that man was on the map 20, 30 years before Psycho. <laughs> oh, straight up. Yeah, he's the most prolific dude, you know, just maybe the best filmmaker ever, you know, just as far as quantity and quality, just churn them out. Nobody craps out masterpieces on a yearly basis like Alfred fucking Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. You can never run out of movies of his to watch. It's oh, so it's, awesome. It's insane. From like the yeah. 20s to the 70s. <laughs> yeah, I have this random thing I bought that's just it, like who 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 the fuck has this? It's 15 movies. <laughs> like who the fuck has a collection? Oh yeah, here's my 15 movies. That it's not even it's just a fucking pinch in out of his, yeah. you know, his whole resume. <laughs> so crazy <laughs> guys are lucky to get to you know uh, just a handful and he yeah he just he just couldn't help himself <laughs> yeah he'll come up eventually we will you know we're not going to do an oscar podcast and just ignore alfred hitchcock forever he he'll pop up at some point yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh best cinematography black and white back when they were still separating because that was a great idea um anatomy of a murder career some like it hot, the young Philadelphians, and the winner, the diary of Anne Frank. Uh, I've seen Anatomy of a Murder and Some Like It Hot. The other three I have not seen. I'm in the exact same boat as you. Um, some like it hot, it's been it's been a while. Of course, that's a movie that yeah, still still has some kind of some weight in, in culture, uh, has kind of lasted. My grandma had been trying to get me to watch that movie for years, and she finally won out about a year ago, you know. Pandemic, nowhere to go, out of excuses. I watched some like it hot with my grandmother. And oh yeah, it. dude, <laughs> fucking uh, a man. Uh, Jack Lemmon's awesome in that. Yeah, it's it was really funny. Uh, oddly progressive at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I'm you know I'm a man. It helps that Marilyn Monroe is absolutely smoking hot. It really does help. Some like it hot, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Billy Wilder is like everywhere. Oh. Everywhere in the Oscars, everywhere. Billy Wilder and Frank Capra, two names that just keep popping up every time we do this show. It's great. Yep. Always. <laughs> They'll always be here. <laughs> uh, well, we talked, you know, about how well the, how great the cinematography is in Anatomy of a Murder. And I'd have no problem with that film taking it, but I would like to see the diary of Anne Frank before I make any uh, commitments to that. Yeah, of course. Always. And this is, this is when, you have them separated. It's best cinematography, black and white, and best cinematography, color. This is one of the ones that Ben Hur won, of course, out of eleven. <laughs> yeah, and the next, not the next uh, Oscar, is the only one it didn't win. Uh, best adapted <laughs> screenplay. <laughs> Crazy. We have, yeah, Anatomy of a Murder, Ben Hur, The Nun Story, Some Like It Hot, and the winner, Room at the Top. Uh, same deal. Anatomy of a Murder, Some Like It Hot. <laughs> yeah, same deal for me. I would, I would really, really like to see Room at the Top. I've seen it, seen it floating about at times, and I should have snacked, should have snagged it up. Uh, it's kind of, a, kind of a random movie. It intrigues me, and I want to see the one that beat Anatomy of a Murder because, good lord, the screenplay in Anatomy of a Murder is pure gold. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is shit that that went over my head the first time I watched it when I. This, this time around, whoa, how the hell? Some of the stuff they're pulling off here and some of the stuff that, I, uh, that I've seen in other movies since then, 
damn, you know, they're just fucking copying this movie. (laughs) Cats out the bag. (laughs) I'm going to chase it. (laughs) Oh my God. It's, it's amazing. The fact that, you know, what they were able to say in 1959, you know, words like bitch and slut and rape and sperm. These were not words you heard at the movie house. So the fact that the guy who, you know, this guy, um, Wendell Mays just went for it. He said, like, there's a book here that's got a story worth telling. I'm going to tell it. And there he goes. And I bet there was severe pushback. And we still, we got what we, you know, we got the movie. It was banned in a few states. But it came out, and here we are. I think this is a fantastic screenplay. I think it sets a, you know, pretty... uh, tall bar for courtroom dramas and it should absolutely take this yeah yeah they talk about setting the bar for courtroom dramas this is immediately moving into my top five or ten courtroom dramas of all time this movie just ah has everything has everything you fucking want and a lot of that has to do with dude packet our boy from jaws uh what's his name uh that's yeah that's right uh what's that fucker's name i'm gonna have to look it up but the, some of the scenes with Packet, and the, he says, uh, he's like, uh, ladies' man or a damn fool. <laughs> Murray Hamilton. That's his name, Murray Hamilton. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, he plays the, he plays the mayor, right? Yeah, in Jaws and uh, <laughs> is, is awesome in that movie. But, but yeah, when he got up on, on, on the stand and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, where's Roy Scheider? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was really excited. And I thought those scenes were, amazing this i thought the screenplay popped so much in those scenes with him and him and jimmy stewart and then of course george c scott says some stuff that's just you know blows your mind yeah. and delivers delivers this stuff yeah it's it's a diamond man i i i love this screenplay and the, a screenplay this good could make a movie rise to a 10 you know when you watch it over and over you fall in love with new things about it you're like oh my gosh that hits every time i can see this doing that well, and also the screenplay really kind of keeps you in the dark. You don't know if this really was a rape. You don't know if this really was premeditated. Like, it kind of lets you make your own decision on everything. Correct. And in the end, you know, I personally think she was raped and he was, not, was in complete control of his faculties and murdered that guy. But it's up to, you know, interpretation. I, I like that. I like that it doesn't just spoon feed you the information. It, lets you, it leads you to your own conclusion. Yeah. Courtroom dramas are known for their screenplays. You know, it's, it's their dialogue heavy movies. They're storytelling. So yeah. you need a good one to make it work. And I've seen some shitty courtroom dramas. And- Same. <laughs> it's ugly. At this point, I try to, I, it's one of those kind of subgenres where I feel like I need to know a little bit what I'm going into because yeah. when it's bad, it's bad. And I feel like I wasted my whole, my whole day, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But when it's good, when it pops, you know, like this or a few good men or 12 angry men, right? These movies, these movies really hit hard and they stay, they stay in your brain. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff that's happening. Like you said, where it's not spooning, spoon feeding you. Uh, I, I love when, uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart at one point says, he's like, uh, you guys feel like you have to bring in, you know, a felony, a felon to you know talk about this fucking u.s officer like that's so you know this shit is so cool it makes you think like crazy 
I can't dignify this creature with any responses. Yeah. <laughs> great. And little things like, you know, I'm just a humble lawyer from small town, like trying to defend myself from this big city man from Lansing. Like from Lansing, yeah. He's, he's former district attorney and is exactly they're both kind of shady assholes. I love that. Like, yes. Our hero is a disgraced district attorney who does not have difficulty cutting corners. It's, no. It's great. It really, def- this film defies the Hays Code in every way. Like, there is no, you know, the hero is not a glamorous figure. Good does not necessarily win out. It's, it's a miracle this film exists. <laughs> oh, man. It's tr- truly, you have a certain mindset when you go into a 50s movie this breaks that, you know, breaks, breaks kind of that wall down. Very grateful for it. Very, very grateful for it. I would love to, again, love to see room at the top to see what we're dealing with over there. Yeah. Uh, Best supporting actor. Mm. We have Arthur O'Connell for anatomy of a murder, George C. Scott for anatomy of a murder, Robert Vaughn for the young Philadelphians, Ed Wynn for the diary of Anne Frank and the winner Hugh Griffith for Ben Hur. And look at the picture over here. And I'm pretty sure that's blackface. Uh, well, it's the fifties. Um, yeah, with with Hugh Griffith, you you yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does look 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 quite strange. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's Welsh. <laughs> Welsh film, stage, and television actor. Yeah, interesting. That does look a little odd there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely shouldn't have beat George C. Scott. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> the hell out of here! Oh, this is one of the ones where I I feel like it's locked in. You know, it just he just should have won. I think it's good he didn't, because this was pretty early on in George C. Scott's career. And if he had gone up there and said, "You all are assholes, and I don't care about the Academy," that's it for George C. Scott. <laughs> he needs to have the patent clout to refuse the award. Like he can't win now; he needs to win later, or else there is no career. Yeah, have to like take those proper steps. Yeah, yeah. you can't be nobody and refuse an Oscar because then they're coming after you. <laughs> yeah. And he certainly wasn't a nobody after, yeah, like the hustler, Dr. Strange Love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I, I just, yeah. He, if we're going off of, uh, off of skill and talent within the, within the, you know, performance, yeah. George C. Scott is, yeah, he's, it, the stuff he's doing as Claude Dancer is, is pretty special. I kind of wish Ben Gazzara had gotten a nomination here. Mm. as lieutenant Mannion, i thought he was very good very kind of you know on the line you don't know what's up with him really until the, the last scene of the movie uh he could go either way he could be an abusive husband he could be a psychotic killer he could be you know remorseful you really don't know he he plays you know in the dark it's great yeah yeah so good that's a good shout out i think there's a handful of performances in this that that you could talk about uh what's the gentleman's name who plays the judge um where is he he's really he's he was awesome so when he's like all right enough with the panties you've done enough damage (laughs) joseph and welch yes yeah 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 there he is well get this Uh, that dude was was a real judge who was reading his uh his dialogue off of a prompter there you go. Holy shit. No wonder he, he you, you totally believe that yeah, this guy's dealt with. This was the only movie he was ever in. <laughs> we'll let the attorneys 
uh, do the wise cracks. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. He was great. That was, that's, I love that. Yeah. I thought he I thought he was awesome. Uh, that's, that's so beautiful. I love that, that he's a real, yeah. Just a, kind of the only guy who's like, Hey, I, I, I do this in real life. <laughs> he was born in 1890, died in 1960. What a, what a life. A, a year after being yeah. in this movie. Wow. Yeah. He had a heart attack, man. That's wild, dude. Yeah, I'm glad we shouted him out. Now we know something. Yeah, straight up. Uh, that a you know a random judge can go toe to toe with Jimmy Stewart and George C. Scott. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He brings him. He's like, let's go. Short recess. You two fuckers need to shut up. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, best actor: Lawrence Harvey for Room at the Top, Jack Lemmon for Some Like It Hot, Paul Mooney for The Last Angry Man. James Stewart for Anatomy of a Murder, and the winner, Charlton Heston, for Ben-Hur. Uh, after seeing the Ten Commandments, I, I do believe that he probably earned this Oscar, Charlton Heston, but I, I do need to see the movie before I confirm that. Because I used to think he was a straight-up hack after I saw Planet of the Apes. <laughs> his role as Moses really showed me, like, this guy can act. So there you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's certainly worth worth a, a a viewing to see to see what's going on to have that comparison. Yeah, but Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> the guy, yeah, the guy, <laughs> the guy is pretty. This is my favorite role of his for sure that I've seen. He he's crushing in, in this movie. Yeah, and ha- he's like the perfect age where he's just kind of got all the seasoning he needs mm-hmm. just to to knock out every single line. Uh, I would love to see him have gotten this win to to get his second win all time. Well, it's just really cool to see Jimmy Stewart kind of shed a little bit of the nice guy image and play a bit of a bit of a sleaze bag at times. Just a, yeah, a, you know, a crooked, you know, a criminal lawyer, so to speak. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's a great performance, and yeah, totally Oscar worthy. Uh, I'd like to see what Charlton Heston did to beat him. Yeah, that's always that's always nice, right? And yeah, here's Lawrence Harvey. We're about the top coming up again. <laughs> Looks like we need to watch that. Uh, and Jack Lemon, I I love the guy. Love him. Love him in every fucking thing I see him in. Even if the movie's fine, he's he's great no matter what. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a treasure. Jack Lemon's a treasure. Truly. Uh, I'm looking over here at Best Actress, and I find it very interesting that Audrey Hepburn and Catherine Hepburn went up against each other. I didn't know that. And, and Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, what a crazy group. Yeah. <laughs> and Doris Day. And then Simone Signoret beat all of them at Four Room at the Top. We're room at the Top. <laughs> room at the Top. And she's a German, German-French actress. Huh. Yeah. I, I'm going to seek out room at the top i'm gonna fucking watch this movie and i will bring it back up one day (laughs) fantastic that takes us to best picture where we have anatomy of murder the diary of anne frank the nun story room at the top and the winner ben hur uh yeah i i've only seen anatomy of a murder i've got i've got some work to do here okay well, this this is kind of crazy, though, right? You know that Otto is not up for best director over on this side with these yeah. other with these people. Kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. This is he's a big part of why this film was able to even get made. So I think that he deserved a little love here. 
yeah so yeah it's it's up for best picture best motion picture and best director he's, he's missing uh you have william wyler billy wilder fred zinneman these people are here all the time <laughs> you know <laughs> let's share a little love let's give Otto. let's give get Otto in there you know he, he just has two so think think it'd be think it'd be fair plus yeah his work is fucking fantastic yeah, Billy Wilder's great. I don't think that Some Like It Hot is, you know, his best work in my opinion. Like, you know, the next year he's going to win it for the apartment. So he oh. could, he could t- you know, he could step out for a bit, let Otto have some love. Talk about a movie, The Apartment. Jeez. So good. <laughs> Jack Lemmon, one of his one of his better performances, right? Uh, yeah. God, that was a blast doing that one, going to 1960, because we also got to see Alan Gantry one of the coolest 60 movies I've seen talk about one that also defies the Hayes code. (laughs) Well, thankfully in a 1960 was pretty much, you know, you've got films like Elmer Gantry and psycho just Mm -hmm. basically saying, we don't need you anymore. And just, well, you know, blasting that shit apart. Yep. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. And the sixties just slowly get better and better. uh, Mm -hmm. And then getting into my favorite Oscars decade and my favorite, definitely my favorite American filmmaking decade, the seventies. So yeah, it's just, this is where it starts, you know, with movies like Anatomy of Murder and, you know, Elmer Gantry and The Apartment, these movies that are just kind of game-changing. The 70s is what you get from 30 years of artistic oppression. Just a mm. shit ton of experimentation and people doing yeah. whatever they want. Every idea is valid now. It's great. Yeah, it, it cert- certainly is the best. Uh, now, give me the movie. I, I Take Ben Hur out of the picture. Okay. Take Anatomy of Murder out of the picture. Of those three that are nominated for Best Picture, Dario, Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun's Story, and Room at the Top, which one do you want to see the most? Well, Room at the Top keeps coming up. Uh, yeah. I don't want to see that one, but at the same time, The Diary of Anne Frank is one that is, you know, kind of legendary. I'd like to watch that, but I just know it's going to be a downer. Uh, so probably Room at the Top. Yeah, run at the top for sure. Nun's story is uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge fan of her. I, I love Catherine. So suddenly last summer has definitely um, always been on my list. Uh, all of her 12 nominations are on my list. I want to watch all of her stuff. She's, yeah, she's a titan. This is, I love doing this, man. It gives you ideas of stuff to watch. It gives you a reason to talk about guys like James Stewart and Jack Lemmon. <laughs> I love going back to these, these older um ceremonies speaking of this ceremony uh, just right here it's an it was an hour and 40 minutes can you imagine can you imagine now that being the runtime there is just absolutely impossible you know what's weird there it's an hour and 40 minutes and they had twice as many categories because everything was you know color and black and white film you know why it was only an hour 40 have you seen the acceptance speeches from that time it's guys going up and saying, I'm very humbled. Thank you. And walking off. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nobody thanked every person they've ever met in their entire life and their childhood pet. Like we didn't need that self-indulgence. Just, you know, thank your agent and walk the fuck off the stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it, it's it, hosted by Bob Hope, who did it over and over. Yeah. Clearly they had things just moving. Yeah. And, uh, you just, yeah. You, know, you don't have the cutesy, you know, Ellen bringing the audience pizza shit. You don't have all that. I'm sure there were very, you know, very few commercials. If any, I don't, was this even aired? Uh, NBC. NBC. Yeah. 
Okay. Hour 40? You know, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine, man? Yeah, it'd just be this past so, Oscars, so different. Know, they trimmed it down to the bare bones and it still went over. <laughs> yeah, it went over three. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't they don't know how to, you know, restrain themselves anymore. No, no. <laughs> not not at all. Uh definitely a different a different time. Oh yeah. Uh and 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 I think uh if you if you don't have anything else to add to this uh, ceremony, we can we can get busy with our awards. Why not? Yeah. All right. All right. You know you know the the drill with the Tarantino best quote or line of the movie. Uh, we got the Ennio Morricone for best music moment, the Philip Seymour Hoffman for the best performance of the movie, and the Roger Deakins for the best scene of the movie. So I'll let you start with your Tarantino. Take it away. This is a. Uh... This is obviously during one of the uh, courtroom scenes. Um, it's early on in the trial when uh, the district attorney, uh, whose name escapes me real quickly. Um, what was his name? Uh, the Which one? Lodwick. Lodwick. Mitch Lodwick. Yeah. Oh. When he keeps interrupting, uh, objecting on uh, Paul Beagler. And he goes, now listen, this is a cross-examination in a murder case. It's not a high school debate. What are you and Dancer trying to do? Railroad this soldier into the clink? Because it's just, it's that slap. And he's finally like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, just finally, yeah. like, done with this shit. Like, we are, this is a man's life. <laughs> just, it's great. <laughs> oh, and then that gets brought back by yeah. George C. Scott. He it's says, Spiegler's own, own words. words. This, is a high, <laughs> this is a cross-examination in a murder case, not a high school debate. Oh man! Ah, so, so cold, but so so good. That initial outburst is mine. Yeah, I I totally understand that. Uh, I I chose I chose probably the most popular line from the movie. Uh, anyway, it's at the very top of the. If you look on IMDb quotes, it's the very top. Okay, uh, it's to me a kind of cinematic you know, just brilliant line that had to be put down somewhere and someone had to say it. James Stewart says it as Paul Beagler. And he says, as a lawyer, I've had to learn that people aren't just good or just bad. People are many things. Mm. Oh man. <laughs> Another thing that goes directly against the Hayes code, you know, good yep. and evil. That's all it was. People weren't gray. Exactly. That's exactly why I chose it. I think that this just defies what, Hollywood wanted movies to be the Hayes code wanted movies to be. And then what filmmakers were, you know, and creators and artists were saying, no, but pushing back. And that, that gray area is, is kind of everything, right. Is where, is where the art gets made and gets, and gets produced and gets put out for us to see. And this, this movie has multiple lines like this that just kind of wrap everything up in a, in a super gray and kind of like, okay. Uh, and I, I love that about this movie that sticks true to that tone you figure it out. You think for yourself. Yeah. You know, not, not everything is as it seems it's so, so fucking cool. And that's one of my favorite qualities of cinema is when it just, just makes you think and starts grinding your gears and almost bothers you. That's, that's the best in the world. Yeah. Mannion, you know, why can't he, love his wife and shoot the bastard dead. Like, why can't it be both? And yeah, every character in this movie is 
is not a cookie cutter, you know, bad guy, good guy. Like everyone has their moments of, you know, good and bad. It's, it's nice. And I like that quote. Well done. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I kind of thought about it all day. It was, it was, this is the award that to me is the toughest to narrow down just because the sheer amount of choices you have. Yeah. There are, there are many, many lines within this two hour, 40 minute movie that, yeah, just, just pop straight up. Yeah. I had Beautiful. A, initially mine was, um, uh, I, it's not in the IMDb quotes. I had to write it down and then I erased it for this. It was when he's like, it's when Lodwick and George C. Scott, our, our dancer, are going after um, Beagler at the same time. And he's like, now look, Judge, like, you know, I'm willing to go toe to toe with these guys anytime, any place, but could you have them do it one at a time? It's not very fair. Yeah. Like that yeah. little bit was, was there. <laughs> so good. Uh, so sarcastic. And he, yet he's a wily veteran, you know, at this game. One of my favorite ones that I thought about was uh, is between Beagler and Mannion, and Mannion says, "How can a jury disregard what it's already heard?" And Paul Beagler says, "They can't, Lieutenant. They can't." <laughs> that is some that's some sly shit to do in a courtroom. Oh, but yeah. oh dude, so cool. That's funny. Yeah, that is a veteran move. You know, just that's like some, let it shit. happen. That's some shit slipping Jimmy would do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a yeah. It's the perfect. Uh, kind of you know uh comparison yeah those two <laughs> those two definitely operate in the same kind of playbook <laughs> oh very good i love it the, the enyo which uh, part of this duke ellington madness did did you go for uh for me it was a little subtle moment towards the end of the film uh paul and his company are in his office waiting for the verdict and they're, he's kind of just absentmindedly playing the piano. And he's playing something really somber. And then it picks up a little bit. And they're all kind of like, we don't know if we won this. Like, this anything could happen. We don't know. But, you know, we're going to deal with it either way. And the music really kind of leads you there. And hmm. that's what I went with. Beautiful. I love it. Every single piece is amazing. It's a long, long album. <laughs> it's on. It's it's. it's right yeah i listened to it on spotify all day man it's it's beautiful uh and you know like i did with boogie nights you know i went back to just that kind of title screen i'm doing that here uh the the main title by duke ellington is it floored me and i i was sitting down uh like on the edge of my bed and i kind of when that started playing, I got really comfortable, you know, and it, without really even knowing it, you know, it's one of those things where I was just doing it without even fucking just going off of instinct. And it was like the music just put me in a place where I was like, I- I'm watching a movie right now. This is what I'm doing. And that is such a strong feeling. <laughs> one of my favorite things about, about a score. Well, I think what I love about this score, look at every movie score from like 1930 to 1959. And it is so hard to differentiate. So many of them sound so similar, just as grandiose, you know, kind of thing. And they're very much like, you know, a kind of made to order kind of thing. Like there's not really a lot of love behind it. It's the movie needed music. So hire somebody. But this film from the beginning, you're like, okay, this is, this is something else. This is something different. This is not, 
your grandma's courtroom drama. This is a movie that has something to say. And yes. Duke Ellington's a major part of putting you in that mood of making you realize like, you know, buckle the fuck up. This is something you're going to remember. <laughs> truly, truly. He's, he's a fucking legend. I, yeah, you, you, you lead like some of his, some of his albums, but the, the 1963, he has by himself, the great reunion. That's a really cool album. And then the one with him, him and John Coltrane, Duke Ellington, John is just, these two guys are just crazy. He's, he's, I would say both of them are coming off of, you know, yeah, the fifties where they're both kind of just exploding and they're kind of at the peak of their powers and to come together for an album is, is very special. I think you'd like it a lot. I was, yeah, I, I love, I love the music in this movie. It's something I kind of saved on my Spotify, the, the album. So I'll be, I'll be good going back to it a lot. Uh, I'm very interested to hear what you have for, uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, did you narrow it down to a, a few, a couple? What, 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 what did you kind of do here? I'm going to, I'm going to be fairly predictable here. I, I knew who it was. I knew who it was going to be. It's, it's Jimmy Stewart as Paul Beagler. I mean, this is a Jimmy Stewart who's, you know, had his, a long career. He's been through the ringer. He's, he knows the ropes and he's done playing around. This is, you know, I'm going to play a sleazy lawyer with a heart of gold. And here he is. It's perfect. Just little things he does, like, you know, saying shit to the to the jury he's not supposed to say and having it disregarded, but knowing that's not humanly possible. And it's it's the way he presents himself, the way that it, you just feel this confidence about him. Like, no matter what happens, he's going to win because mm. he knows the game. Like, this is small town America. He, you know, he's the king of small town America. He always has been. No one's going to beat Jimmy Stewart in small town America. Yes. And yeah, just this, the little, you know, the one-liners, the relationship he has with his secretary and with uh, Parnell. And it's just, it's a perfect performance that to me, very few can come close to in this film. So I, I had to go with my gut and pick Mr. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did as well. I think he definitely wins this movie and carries it with a certain certain finesse and dominance that's pretty, yeah, pretty rare to come by. Uh, I, I, you know, I looked, looked at George C. Scott, you know, very, very much, but uh, they're both knocking it out, but Stewart's there the whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. He, he, this is a long movie that doesn't need to care as much as it does. And James Stewart doesn't need to care as much as he does every fucking scene. And he does. So yeah, he he clearly wins the movie to me, and that's what the PSH is all about. So who who just stole it, and, and he he steals it right out of the gate. <laughs> I like that you said that this movie doesn't need to care as much as it does, because this very easily could have been just another mindless '50s movie of you know Jimmy Stewart as a lawyer who you know falls in love with his secretary who's defending an innocent man. And, you know, good is going to win and the truth will out. But this film is so corruptible that it could have been made in the 70s. And that's that's cool for a film like this to go as far as it goes, knowing full well that it's taking on an organization that does not lose. Uh, major props. <laughs> Super badass, man. I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's... 
it's a it's a movie too you know we didn't we haven't spoken too much about uh like kind of its origins this is you know this is a, a novel yeah written by robert trevor that i i, I need to read <laughs> you know I, I need to know what's going on here and how the inspiration for this movie for this crazy story and uh i, I want to know what kind of shook these people to make this film right this novel was written in 1958 by Michigan Supreme Court Justice John yep. D. Volker under the pen name Robert Traver. That is really yes. cool. Based it on a murder case in which he was the defense attorney. Yeah, Ooh. he was a noted lawyer and a fly fisherman. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like Paul Beegler. Yeah. Holy shit. Now I really have to read this. Yeah, from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, come on. This is a dude we need. We need. We we want to know more about. <laughs> That's amazing. So Oscar Sunday, not only providing movies for us to watch, but also books to read. Uh, that's, that's what it's all about here is, is learning and growing and having fun. Uh, yeah. Mr. Stewart, PSH winner. Uh, all both of us are in agreement. Uh, I, I like when we disagree, but I kind of knew, I kind of knew where you were going and I like George C. Scott more as a, as just like personally, but that don't mean shit when Stewart's just tearing it up. Well, and George C. Scott, I think, is fairly restrained here. I think that he's in the presence of, you know, original greatness here and has a mm. little bit of a, you know, I think I don't think he wants to upstage Jimmy Stewart. I think he's still feeling like, do I deserve to do that? Like, <sighs> yeah, it's it's the difference in their in, in, in them at the time, and it's the difference in their characters. Like, it's so cool how they bleed together because he's trying to play no, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to allow him to rile me up. I'm from fucking Lansing. I'm wearing it. Look at this suit I'm wearing. You know, and Paul Beagler is like, I don't give a shit. I'll yell at you. I'm in my, I'm in my fucking backyard right now. Yeah, I used to be the district attorney. I've got fuck all to lose. Bring it on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I love that, how it kind of feels like that bleeds through in their acting career at the time and the characters in the movie. It does. So, yeah. Like Jimmy Stewart had a long and colorful career. He could have tanked it all with this film. He didn't care. He, he did what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. So cool. He, you know, he, he completely knocks out of the park and wins our PSH. So the Deacons, uh, boy, it's difficult to not just choose like a two hour stretch. <laughs> Uh, I, I had a hard time narrowing down the, the deacons here. What, what do you got? Well, this whole film really reminds me of the courtroom episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Mac mm. insists, can I drop the bomb? Because <laughs> every courtroom movie has, there's a bomb that gets dropped. <laughs> and in this movie, there's a few of them. And, I, you know, at first I had the scene where the judge brings all three lawyers to the panel and is like, look, are we going to be talking about panties a lot? And he's yeah. like, yeah, probably. And he's like, well, then can we use a safer word? And he's like, well, I'm a bachelor. I don't know. And he's like, we had, I've, got a, I've got a French word, but it's much more suggestive. And he's like, I, most French words are. Like yeah. they have a side discussion it. of like, is, can, like we got to do something. Like this is getting too uncomfortable. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that, that felt so out of place that it was in place. That well, it was, it was that so to, it was so committed to that to those three actors were you know they were so committed to that moment of like 
we got to be locked in here because this this could come off silly if we don't make it make it authentic. Well, the judge has to tell the crowd, like, look, we're going to be talking about panties. <clears throat> and they all start laughing. It's a fucking rape trial. Like, yeah. A, and a murder trial. Like, are you kidding me? That word is going to make you laugh in this situation? What are you, bunch of fucking children? It made me yell at the screen. I was like, are you kidding me? God, fucking 50s repressed Catholic assholes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that wasn't what I went with. <laughs> it's a great scene. I though. just wanted to talk about that because it was so fucking absurd. That was that was incredible though. Show, just trying to kind of an amazing uh thing to look back at, you know, 60 years later. Just just mind-blowing that this it scene feels, takes place. Yeah. It feels like a conversation that happened on the studio. Like, look, the word panties is in the script a lot. Yeah. Something about this. I bet you that happened. It's like it becomes a Fellini movie for like five seconds and you're like wait are they what are they doing right here well are they just talking about what's happening <laughs> <laughs> so weird oh my god so the scene i went with uh just because it was so damn satisfying is uh near the end of the trial when mary palant is on the stand and mm. George C. scott has his way with her verbally and just r- rips into her just says you know you couldn't stand to see her with with barney quill could you that's why you hit that's why you lied about the panties is that true and she's like no and he just screams at her like was he your lover and she just goes no he was my father and he's like oh fuck no and no further questions like you just see like i lost in his eyes like i shouldn't have said that (laughs) like Mm -hmm. all his professionalism goes right out the window he yells and it bites him in the ass immediately and he knows it it's it's a great scene just know that this you know big shot lawyer is gonna be just wrecked by this professionally and you know badgering a witness over that Ooh, just he just goes and sits down defeated it's great i had to go mm. beautiful george c scott incredible stuff there subtle beautiful stuff good 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 pick i i certainly chose something close to that around that uh and it is it, it is uh i guess just the finale the last 10 minutes or so you have some things that happen that are total, you know, mind fucks within the movie. It's a twist. Yeah. And then at the end, my Deacons would be when uh, Paul Beegler and Parnell are, are driving, driving away and just kind of like, damn, you know, <laughs> Parnell says, you know, you know, I used to look, used to think the world looked better through a glass of whiskey. It doesn't, I think I'll keep it this way. It looks nice. And then they go, they, they're arriving to the, the Mannion's house and there's a letter and <laughs> had an irresistible impulse and it just wraps the movie up, man. It's just fucking so fucking beautiful. And then he puts the heel on the trash can, like Jesus, like talk about filmmaking, you know, it's just some of the, some of the coolest shit in a, in an ending that I can recall that I've seen the past few years. I love the ending. Just, yeah, I was just fucking cheering. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mannion, you motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, and I love that they end up uh, administering Barney Quill's estate. Like, yeah. Everybody kind of. Poetic you know, justice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. God damn, man. Yeah. I had the same feeling I had when I, when I finished Charge of the Sierra Madre, where I was just like, fucking clap. I just, <laughs> just fucking applause that was awesome that was so cool such a great way to cap off a brilliant story yeah 
straight up. And there were any number of scenes like, you know, we could have gone for. There's a whole handful of great moments in this film. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, the beginning of the movie, before we even get into the, the courtroom, those stre- that stretch is really fucking good and is totally worthwhile when you're, because you're, you get to watch James Stewart just, just kind of chill for a little bit, you know, and he's just kind of sitting there and moseying around and then, and then has this, this awesome kind of purpose, this thing to just kind of drive him. Uh, and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. I love the scene at the nightclub where we, you know, mm. Ellington has a nice cameo. And Beautiful. He accosts uh war outside. Like, what are you doing? Your husband's in, tr- in prison for murder. You can't be just gallivanting around town. Like you gotta be, you gotta think about this shit. And she's like, I'm so sorry like trying to sleep with him the whole damn time and it's <laughs> ridiculous yeah, everyone is so human in this movie everyone's making mistakes everyone's making poor decisions but also trying their goddamn best it's, yes yeah it's perfect i love that yeah great stuff man what uh, um i assume you uh, have a review what's your rating uh this is still firm it's at an eight for me but it is you know it's creeping up there I'm sure if I watch this again, it'll pop up there again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, man. Rewatchability for sure. Uh, I, I, I love, love doing these movies, these kind of, these ones that we have seen once <laughs> and you get that proper revisit. Cause that second watch, I believe for almost every movie is just really, really important. And with this one, it just, yeah, just kind of took it to another level for me. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, we got a lot of that coming up. A lot of, of uh, second watches for me in, on the horizon, which is nice. Ah, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love that we're going to be staying in this decade because we've been speaking a lot about the Hayes Code, of course, and what stands out from the 40s, 50s that is trying to be different, trying to break through that wall. And we, we feel like uh, this conversation is worth more time than just one episode at a time. I think it's great that we're going to be able to kind of live in this through Oscar Sunday. Yeah. Uh, for, for a month or so, we're going to be able to kind of breathe with this knowledge that we're intaking and all these movies we're watching. And we'll kind of be able to connect more dots that way, I think. Yeah, straight up. With that, like, what do we got coming next week? Oh, next week. Next week is a movie, yeah, the... I think we're both revisiting for the second time, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bogey, our boy, Humphrey Bogart. We, we want to we shout him out. We want to do his win. Uh, the African Queen, 1951. Next week is going to be a blast, man. I, I, <laughs> it's been quite a bit longer for that one for me. Uh, Anatomy of Murder I had seen just four years ago. With this one, it's six or so, six or seven. So, yeah, I, I'm uber excited to to dive into this one the last time the first time i saw the african queen was in 2015 so yeah it's been a while for me too okay yeah we're probably about in the same same tier there uh it's funny how that happens <laughs> we're kind of like on this we're on the same path to rewatching it and figuring it out uh i spoke about Catherine hepburn she's also in the african queen we're going to be talking about her uh this is a hour and 45 minute movie that much shorter than than this one yeah. But we intend on giving it a all, just like uh, just like this one. Uh, fucking John Houston at director. I, I I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, 
get to just fully dive into John Houston and Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. It's going to be a fun episode. Correct. Yeah. Got. I believe. I don't, I think it was eight nominations altogether. Let me let me let me double check on that just to. African Queen get, was only four. Sorry, four. Yeah, that's I'm looking at totally totally different movie right now. <laughs> four and one win. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, but again, Catherine Hepburn, John Houston, both there. So those are the people we'll kind of focus on. Uh, kind of have a conversation about some 1951 action. So fifties, oh, yeah. fifties all month. Hell yeah. Um, tomorrow's sneak preview. Uh, we'll be covering Zack Snyder's army of the dead. And on Beautiful. Wednesday's filmgasm, we're going into a quiet place to prep for the new, mm. uh, long awaited sequel coming out on Friday. So don't very nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a movie that, has has its uh has its right for filmgasm and sneak preview which we haven't always been able to do it's really cool to be able to kind of double feature horror movies uh in that way because that's uh, in our hearts that's that's where that's where they lie that's where our hearts lie is is with horror and it's always nice to be able to to pop two movies within one week that are kind of in the same realm oh yeah i just i like being able to time the filmgasms with the sneak mm. preview I don't exactly. I haven't gotten to do that for a long time, but now that we're actually getting these long awaited releases, I have opportunity and I'm not going to waste it. Exactly. Exactly. Love pairing that shit up. So much fun. Hell yeah. Don't miss the African queen next week. Thank you very much for sticking with us on this one and uh, keep watching movies.